0: Have been taught that growing is painful. We say things like growing pains, but what if growth is an act of tremendous emotional intelligence? So I use my emotions intelligently and I'm intelligent about my emotions, such as sadness, such as regret, such as remorse, such as profound sorrow. These are deep, rich emotions, as rich as euphoria, as rich as joy. You see, emotions are not Facebook, Instagram, or social media where you can like or dislike. Truth of the life has very little taste of the artificial life that we have created. In the reality, our heart has so many neurons, it is like a a diamond in the sky that can look at all colors.
1: and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership Podcast. I'm Karen Suk, and today I will speak with Amarita Subramanin. In this episode, I'm honored to speak with Amarita. Amarita is a former Fortune 500 VP who is dedicated over two decades of her career to guiding organizations through crisis. Currently, she serves as a distinguished educator at the University of Pennsylvania where our focus lies on post-traumatic growth in the wake of the pandemic. Marita is on the verge of completing her PhD, delving into the profound subject of post-traumatic growth and others during the COVID-19 era. Join us as we delve into Marita's insight, exploring the profound lessons she has gleaned from both her remarkable career and her resilient personal journey. In our conversation, we will delve into practical examples and tools of how to harness everyday wisdom to navigate unexpected challenges and come out stronger on the other side. As we all experience in nowadays, this challenging times also in the Middle East. So I think it's really relevant, this topic. So I'm
0: really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Amrita, for joining. Karen, thank you so much. And uh, you were very, very kind. Uh, the world indeed is in a place where we need to have this conversation, not just every day, but as nations, as nations without borders, because what affects the Middle East affects each one of us. What affects Ukraine affects each one of us. What affects uh, happenings in earthquakes and volcanoes affects each one of us. And um, something that you, you said was was very touching to me is, um, you know, how the world and this was you know, before we started recording is, you know, how the world of trauma. Has so much silence, and and we do not really know how to express ourselves and our our, our expressions. I just finished the study a few months ago, so I'm glad to report that the PhD journey is done. And I would love to share wow. this, one of the first yes. podcast actually that I would be sharing what came out in 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 the results of this study. But Karen, first and foremost, thank you so much for creating this platform where we can have truly relevant conversations. Thank you. Wow,
1: well, I'm really touched by by what you said, and really congrats on your PhD. It's really needed nowadays, so it's good that you finish. Yes. (laughs) You can spread now the word. So, Maria, I like to start by a personal question, and then we'll really delve (laughs) to the essentials. But you know that your personal journey reflects the depth of your understanding. Abandoned in a converted tender age of five, you endured trauma and abuse that manifested in selective Autism until you were 11. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm drawing from your own experience to guide humanity toward growth and healing. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey? And yes. How
0: yes, you know, um, life sometimes will begin a different kind of war with us when we are children. Uh, the wars that many children are seeing now in different parts of the world, which are in fire. Uh, my fire started because I was given up for adoption by two lovely people who were not ready to be parents. I have a very different relationship with the story and a very different relationship with the narrative. They're no longer villains of my story. I don't have villains anymore. So uh, what is necessary to understand at this stage is as a child, I went through ceaseless trauma, which resulted in me losing speech. And this this is still a very common feature in children who go through trauma. Uh, the selective mutism is a total silence because of complete psychological death that happens. Inherent, very small human beings, like it is happening everywhere in the world. It For me, it happened in the convent and I did not get um, all the nourishment that children get with family, a father, a mother, any unit that a family is, uh, a sense of community having safety. You know, it's a basic, the basics, not just psychological safety, physiological safety. So what it did for me, and of course I have the compassion to see it now. I didn't see it back then is, and after years of therapy, right? um, Is to understand that life was preparing me, Karen, for this conversation. Life was preparing me for this stage. And what I understand, and they say, right? Researchers research their own history. Everything that I've gone through my life has shaped who I am uniquely. Now I had a choice at each point to become very, very bitter and negative, which I was. My twenties were filled with anger. I was drunk with anger and resentment as many of our younger generations are today. So I relate very closely to that. And as I have kind of looked towards mid-century of my life, I have studied trauma very, very closely because I understood that very few could understand me. And I did not have a vernacular. Trauma is silent secret and shameful and underprocessed, so we don't even have data to bring out and say this is my story we just feel gripped by trauma instead of being able to hold our trauma compassionately so compassion and forgiveness are the two things that have also come out of my study but i first want to honor the question you said trauma is the reason i have grown i have struggled immensely and I think the honesty of that struggle and getting the right help along the way has made me a contributing member of the society where today I understand trauma in the most unspoken way. And Karen, I do not have enough life left to do all the work that needs to be done for the children and the youth of our world. Um, but it's, you know, I, I hope by the time I am done living and my life is through, the world would be a little less painful than how I inherited it. That's my hope. You know? Wow.
1: Thank you very much. And it's it's really touching what you're saying. It's really resonated deeply with me within me. And first of all I want to recap what you said because actually you said it you went through a trauma and this is what helped you to grow and evolve as a human being, as a person, to be more complete and to bring your present to the world. So I think it's really important because I really believe that each and one of us has his own unique path. And in this path we have challenges, we have traumas, we have things that we need to deal with. And right. once we go through them, we can grow and evolve and bring our present to the world. So it's really essential, although We don't want to feel this trauma, but unfortunately, as you said, we are during a period that worldwide, we experience trauma wherever you look. So I think it's really something we we need to delve into and to see how we can work with it. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us how you, how do you grow beyond each crisis individually and collectively? Is there a specific process, milestones
0: or whatever that we can learn from your experience? yes and karen i'm I'm very delightful I'm, I'm I'm a little emotional right now because i'm you know when you speak to someone who's really listening so well and I know your audiences listened to you very well I've listened to other podcasts that you do something that I would offer is that we have to take a step inward rather than outward to look at ourselves with a lot of compassion. you see trauma the very word, and we'll start start with the fundamentals. So the first concept is trauma. The word itself is popular in woundedness. The moment you hear trauma, you say, oh, that's not me. That's, you know, that's happening to someone else. Um, Because we think of it as woundedness, but the German root word, traum, means a daydream. So when we are in a nightmarish condition, we say it's surreal. It was like a dream. Mm -hmm. But we also say that when we are in love, When I'm in love, life is like a dream. When I get a dream job and a dream career, it's like a dream. It was surreal how successful I was. So we have great life events, but we associate trauma with that is negative. And we associate good things with life events. But we notice that we struggle so much. If I have a dream, I struggle endlessly, but I don't call it traumatizing. I was traumatized looking for success. We don't say that. We said we worked hard. We study biographies but we always see one unifying factor, which is we suffer. We suffer for joy, we suffer for love, and we also suffer when out of control events happen. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the word trauma, first is to understand we have to get the language right because our worlds are defined by the language we speak. So culturally, such as in the West, for instance, countries that use the language English, there's a lot of expression. But there are a lot of languages in the world which are very, very rich and belong to 3,000-year-old cultures where silence is the way. So trauma lies somewhere hidden between that which is spoken and that which stays unspoken. So Mm -hmm. that's the first. The second fundamental, and then I'll pause, is that every time something challenges our assumption of reality, we are shattered. And so imagine this as a GPS, and imagine this is the heart, and I call it the inner GPS. It has three parts, and and folks, I'm holding up a triangle. The first bit of the triangle is myself, my relationship to myself. Second is the relationship to others, which is my world, my relationship, my marriage, my friendships. And third is this entire universe that I'm a part of. You know, what do I work? What is my place in this universe? Why am I alive every day? When a crisis happens, and what is a crisis? One which completely shatters this GPS. And like when we are driving a car and in tall buildings, the GPS goes, you know, trying to calibrate. That's exactly what happens to us when our whole universe comes, crashes down, whether it is an act of war that is happening in so many countries, whether it's an act of nature like volcanoes and earthquakes, the whole seismic activity, the whole eruption, all of our reality crumbles and falls. That is crisis. Now for many, it is external, for many, it is internal. So, for instance, what I was talking about myself, I kept having internal crises. Now, we used to think back sometime that crises only happened to war people or soldiers, but we now know it happens to women, to children, to youths, to everyday violence, to sudden shattering of betrayal in relationships. So trauma now has a very wide, very wide audience. And the last important point, Trauma can be direct or indirect. So in the pandemic, I heard that it is a deadly virus. So death was very close to me. But what was also true is millions of people were dying, like today. Millions of people are dying. Innocent civilians are dying on all sides. How do I tackle with that information that so many people are dying every day, but I keep waking up holding the memory of this world that is suffering so intensely. This is trauma. And growing beyond it, the question that you ask is post traumatic growth or post disruptive growth. But I'll pause here to make sure that I have responded well to how you were seeking to understand this.
1: Yes. Uh, you really made it clear what does it mean, trauma? And how we, or I hear embrace it. And usually you say we don't speak about it. And actually, the language that we use put it in a place that we don't usually work with it and you actually invite us to invite the trauma and see how we can grow through this and go through it. So this, I will be happy to go forward and understand, okay, I, and I, and you also said something important that we need to look, the trauma can be external or internal, but in order to go through and to, to heal this trauma, we need to go deeper inside ourselves. Right. And to find compassion and forgiveness. And I really, connect to it. And this is really challenging. Really. We'll circle back to it then to the compassion aspect because it's really challenging to be compassionate toward ourselves, right? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I, I loved what you said, Karen, because I think when we are talking very practically, mm-hmm. one of the things we have to understand, and that's what I loved about your question, is we all suffer because lightning strikes everyone, no matter the shape of the lightning. It strikes the heart, it strikes my body, no matter the internal interiority or the external bit of it, lightning strikes. And when it strikes, it destroys. Mm -hmm. It destroys what is. Now, there is something in the outer universe we call creative destruction. Most of the time, we have been taught by the world, and I'm beginning at the top level. Most of the time we've been taught that anytime a misfortune happens, that there is something that gets destroyed, it's bad. But anytime Mm -hmm. I'm blessed, it's good. So we have a very point thinking, a very limited, narrow thinking of what is good and what is bad, and we judge ourselves on it, even if the variable is completely. So the first thing is to not discard the part of us that is destroyed.
1: Mm -hmm. It's destroyed. And I love it because I forgot to to refer to it. I wrote to myself, judgment. It's exactly this. Because we judge if uh, something, we're going through something, if it's good or bad. And actually, you know, in the Buddhism and The invitation is to accept and not judge because we don't know if it's good or bad, right? There's a story that I I won't tell it again because I will ruin it, but the fact that things are happening to us and we usually judge and we don't really know if it's good or bad. So I'm coming back to the invitation to see every experience in a non-judgmental way. This is also a practice, you know, once we practice being present and mindful, so we accept it and we enable it space. And you know, another thing that resonated within me, because when we started the conversation, you asked me, how are you showing up here to this conversation? Actually today's not one of my best days. Like I'm feeling sadness and even something stuck in my throat, you know, like crying stuck in my throat. I feel it. And I really, before we started meditated and a little bit cried, let it go. Let it create space for our conversation and for me to show up more fully. And what I experienced, unfortunately experiencing also trauma is like Dr. John kabat said, we can't control the wave, but we can learn to surf. So this is what I experience: like giving place to our emotions, to our unpleasant feelings and being with them, accepting them, creating the space, and then something can transform and create space, a little bit space for another emotion. Till the next time, this is Hawaii handle this challenging situation that we are encountering nowadays here in the Middle mm-hmm. East. So I'd be happy to hear your uh, thoughtful viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Karen, a part of me is really bowing down to you that you took care of yourself, because I think the first step of taking care of our woundedness is self-care. And mm-hmm. to not deny it, going back to the question of good and bad, The society has conditioned us, and this is where we need to take an inner look at how our minds are trained. We are conditioned to accept pleasure and go away from pain. But we understand that that is false today. It's a myth that is no longer true. As much as we are shaped by the good, we are also shaped by that which hurts. And so the hurts are not to be stepped away from. The hurts are also shaping forces that we need to embrace and understand, like the way you said. So where does this begin? It begins with our intelligence. Where does intelligence begin? It begins when we observe and allow awareness to come in. When we become aware that that which is hurting requires a space to be held, honored, understood, then we begin to have conversation with parts of us that have been shattered. You see, whatever gets shattered inside is still a part of me. I cannot abandon that part which is hurting. Now, whether I'm suffering the tragic death of my reality or a tragic death of someone I love or a tragic death of my nation or a tragic death of my beloved friend who's in a country that I cannot save because I am a normal everyday citizen, what I'm going to offer are three ideas of growth. And that is most important. This comes from the study across 12 countries, across 27 senior participants. When I say senior, I mean they're senior in life. The age group is 26 to 69, they speak 22 languages. They follow several faiths. So this is what has come out. The first is growth is a very conscious process of understanding that as I suffer, I evaluate my own narrative about my own story. I see what is the story I'm telling myself, but I also understand that in the honesty of the struggle, the part that is broken, in the honesty of the struggle with my brokenness, I create positive behavioral changes in my everyday decision. And what does that do? It shows up in three practical ways. One, I treat myself better. I treat myself with high respect, high regard, and high honor. And I treat myself as a total human being, not a partial human being. The one that is perfect and the rest of it that is imperfect is hidden away. All of my imperfections are a part of my wholesomeness. That's the first complete acceptance. So this is when awareness brings acceptance. Awareness without acceptance is anxiety, depression, and serious mental health issues. But awareness with acceptance is growth. I accept that I have evolved because of the pain I've gone through. Second facet of growth. I notice how I treat my relationships. Relationships with my mate, relationships with people around me, relationships with my pet, relationships with my day-to-day decision-making in the micro and the macro. Am I taking decisions that expand me? Am I taking decisions that imprison me? Because if the nature of my impression decisions make me feel like you were saying something is choking me, then I am not growing. Then I am suffering from the negative grip of trauma. But if I feel more space, more permission, more expandedness in the way I take decision, that makes everything a little better, not easier. And I want to make this very, very clear. What is sometimes right is not easy. Mm. And sometimes to bring ease, we have to accept what is not easy. To be at ease with what is not easy, which is sometimes to draw boundaries, which is sometimes to say yes or no which is sometimes to say I accept the toxicity of something or I do not accept the toxicity of something, including my own toxicity. And the third thing is how I show up in the world. You see, you spoke of the word compassion. Compassion has so many facets. It's like a, it's like a jewel with a million faces. Um, and one of the things that shows up in our compassion is inside me, Do I feel the space to accommodate the kindness and the cruelty of the world? Which means I have to really look with a lot of love in my own anger, to my own resentment, and to understand that I have five choices. And I can choose any route. I can choose to appreciate life where I am with what I have. I can choose to look at new possibilities in whatever is available, in whatever form it is available. I can exercise the freedom. I can exercise the freedom in how I relate to others. Do I relate to them in an open way, in a kind way, in a gentle way? This is activating compassion. How do I look at my relationship with the cosmos? Now I can follow a faith, or I can be an atheist and I can follow science. No matter which way, but the wonder of the universe allows us to feel that we are a part of a giant cosmic existence. And the last one is the question of strength. Where is the source of my strength? And most of the time, it is the question of the value. All of this is on a factor of death, the end of us. So we are living life, which is so painful that sometimes it hurts so much I could die, right? We say that, it hurts so much. Mm -hmm. Death has come very close to us and it's no longer a movie. It's no longer something that I can watch and then turn the Netflix off and it is over. Death is there in the room. So what is death? Death is the end of what? That's a good question to ask. What does it mean? Because sometimes good things must die for better things to come. But that requires tremendous amount of humility, Karen. Tremendous amount of humility. And I'll stop there. But is this beginning to show how our compassion can become very practical as we are growing? Sure, I really love what you said and I really loved what you said
1: now that death is the end of...
0: Well, that's the question I was saying, that sometimes the good has to die for the better to come.
1: So I really love it because, you know, it resonates with me that usually we see ourselves as a complete identity, really coherent identity and in the process of growth and involvement, we need to let go of patterns that don't serve us anymore, right? And it's... It's really tough and it's really, really a can be painful to let it go because this is how I saw myself. But even in the process of letting it go, the end result, as you said, can be great because it creates space for something new to emerge or for, to adopt new behaviors and patterns that you will have a leap in your personal life, career, whatever. I really loved it because the process, understanding that going through this process can be really tough and bring to our feelings really difficult emotions like sadness, grief, anger, and we need to create space for it to, and to be in touch with them. And I think most of us get away from these emotions and this is why we get stuck actually because these emotions are embedded in our body. And if we won't create the space, actually they will manage us. And then we are in this vicious circle that we can get out of it. But once we dare to embrace it and explore it, and let it go, and I think I found it's really challenging also to let it go, to accept it and enable it to transform through you, then you really can evolve and change. But as you said, and I can talk from my experience, it's really tough to let go because we're really attached to the stories that we are telling ourselves, to our identity, to things, the way things need to be. So I think this is another parameter, the ability to let go and surrender.
0: And for Great. me, it's really challenging. What do you think about it? Well, you know, Karen, I think, I think the whole world is saying yes to you right now. Because when we say, for instance, that I am transformed, if we just take that sentence, if we just want to understand the, how profound that statement is, transforming means I am transcending my current form, which means wherever I am, I'm transcending that transcendence in all the stories that we've heard, you know, from the times we are children, all the fairy tales that we've heard. There is always a sacrifice. There is always a myth that you go into the darkness and you bring back light. You know, there are always these stories. And you said something that was also equally wise, which is we are attached We're attached to our stories. Now, allow me to present two sides of an equation. The first equation is the desire to transform and attain the highest version of ourselves. Every human being wants that. No human being says, I want to be ignorant. I want to be stupid. I want to be foolish. No one. Everybody is fighting their own ignorance. What I want to bring out between the two two equations is the concept of confusion. When we get confused by the world, we think we should fear this confusion. I am going to offer another perspective. I am going to request you to invite the courage to look at your confusion with a lot of positive possibilities. Confusion is the beginning of wisdom, which means that as you said, Karen, what we had told ourselves has become redundant. So this side of the equation is already in the past, which means my perception of growth is behind the actuality of growth so i have grown more than i know myself which means that part i have already transcended but i'm still hanging on to my past definitions right so i have to shed skin how do i do that and shedding skin most people think oh it's got to be painful but here's what you also mentioned which is which was my which is when my heart kind of leaped we judge ourselves mm-hmm. on our intentions we judge others on their actions why am i saying that Because we do not trust ourselves to grow. We have been taught that growing is painful. We say things like growing pains. But what if growth is an act of tremendous emotional intelligence? So I use my emotions intelligently and I'm intelligent about my emotions, such as sadness, such as regret, such as remorse, such as profound sorrow. These are deep rich emotions, as rich as euphoria, as rich as joy. Most of the time, we have, again, the dichotomy of accept and reject. You see, emotions are not Facebook, Instagram, or social media where you can like or dislike. Truth of the life has very little taste of the artificial life that we have created. In the reality, our heart has so many neurons, it is like a a diamond in the sky that can look at all colors. So the first bit is to understand our sorrow and sadness, and sadness as an emotion means that which washes everything. If we understand our sadness, it will lead us to some of the toughest questions that perhaps we have been looking with half an eye, you know, just an eye hole. When we look at what we call difficult, and these are difficult emotions because we've been conditioned to say that it is difficult. But if we were taught by the society to respect our sadness with our joy, today we wouldn't be having so much anxiety in the world. So if I step into my emotions that require me to honor them, I will learn three things. First, the emotions inform me of my state of growth. They also inform me about the things I'm in denial of. Now denial is the most normal response to an abnormal event. Trauma is a normal response to an abnormal event. Being hurt is the most normal response to things that hurt. So first is to pretend that we are not invulnerable. We are not immortal. We will hurt. That's the nature. And the third thing, when we look at a tree, Karen, that is 800 years old, we don't think of the seed that no longer exists. So sometimes this present version of us goes through tremendous sadness or woundedness to become a much greater version of ourselves if we allow the moisture of our emotions to come through, soak us, and show us the way forward. Sometimes it happens in therapy, but therapy is not for everyone. Sometimes it happens when listening to a conversation, such as so many conversations that you've created. Sometimes it's happened talking talking to someone with absolute honesty. But truth-telling, Karen, I think is the key that all of us have because it is here we can exercise four freedoms, freedoms to know, freedom to know what is necessary for me to grow, freedom to do what is necessary for me to do, freedom to be what my life requires me to be and freedom to go where I need to go, where I can grow. Now, whether it shows up in our jobs, whether it shows up in our relationships, whether it shows up in our in our way of, of living in the world, because right now the world is divided into a, a big continuum. One end of the continuum is very individualistic, which is only me, myself, my profit, my life, my interests, a very, very selfish world. The other end of the world is a selfless world, where we are looking at society first, humans first, children first. Nobody had imagined when they read 1984 that the world could have a part that is has so much soul. But despite such suffering, Karen, today all the futurists of the world, World Economic Forum, they're all observing that the world has developed two continuums in the most difficult period of human history. There is a part of the world that is leading with compassion, while there's a part of the world that is shocked that compassion exists. And it is happening in a very real way in the economic trends. So that is something that we should think about as well.
1: I think, you know, Maybe it's my personal belief, you know, that we're going through this transformation in order to evolve as humanity, to go toward compassion and loving and kindness. And, you know, I think we need critical mass in order for the other parts to vanish. And, and maybe now we are touching the, the most difficult stuff that go up that in order to deal with them and to clean it. I'm a naive, you know, so maybe it's not connected to reality and the story that I tell myself in order to believe that we are going to tower the wow. great place and we need to handle this suffering and sadness and all the unpleasant emotions and the situation that we are going through nowadays. But yes, I think uh, it's really, really important for us as human beings to connect and give place to our various emotions each and every moment and to increase our presence nowadays. And this is actually the present enables us our anchor in this challenging times, right? Because you're not getting triggered by everything that happens outside, you have your anchor, but once you you created a bigger space inside of you, you have this capacity to better deal with and navigate your life in this challenging times. Otherwise we're really like uh, reacting to what's ever happening to us instead yeah. of Yes.
0: Yes. You, you said it. I I think that's the key, you know, to the freedoms. So one thing we have to understand is that everything on this planet is demanding our attention. Everything. Yes. So which means 35,000 points of stimulus that my brain has to, is constantly saying attention, attention, attention. But here's the choice we have to make. Attention versus being attentive. So there are many things that are saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me attention. But I know because I have understood myself that there are things I can be attentive to. For instance, I can be attentive to, in all of the chaos, to the possibility that a child is growing up and a relationship is growing up, a reality is growing up, that I can create five seconds of joy in an otherwise 24 hours of tough emotions. Mm-hmm. That I can create 20 seconds of laughter in two hours of a very tense situation. That I can create 15 minutes of calm in an otherwise 72 hours of the sounds of the bomb or an earthquake or ash of a volcano. That the earth will shake whatever our internal earth is, whatever our external earth is. The earth will shake and move and tremble, that is the nature of life. Suffering is the nature of life. You look at nature, everything is living and everything is dying all the time. But we as human beings, as we've become more civilized and we've gotten into greater technological utopia, we have forgotten the fundamental of human mortality. To die is not bad, to be born is not good. The question is to constantly be born into a higher version of yourself. Really, that's the only promise. All the words of potential and all of that comes down to a single moment of decision. In this moment, are you a more expanded self of yourself? Are you bigger, better, more kind, more loving, more generous, more honest, more truthful? And sometimes the movement from here to there is going to be very messy, but we should not reject the mess. Messiness is how life expands. A lotus always blooms out of the darkest, most stagnant water. Enlightenment can come from the toughest of situations. What is important to understand is not to reject life. When life begins to teach us lessons that we may not have cut our teeth on, that we may have not learned to chew it, not to reject what is difficult is the beginning of growth. And to understand hard emotions, tough emotions, are not hard by themselves. It's only hard because we have not learned how to hold it gently. Wow, these
1: are words of wisdom, you know. I want to, to finish by here, but it resonated something within me. Yesterday, yesterday two days ago, I gave a lecture at Weizmann Institute here in Israel. It was a really difficult day for us because we lost 24 of our soldiers. On my way to the to Weizmann Institute, the HR called me and told me, Look, we are thinking if to make, enable the talk because it was really we're really sad in this day and we're not sure it's a good day to pursue it. And you know, I, I stopped for a minute and I said, It's exactly the day to do it because I bring the mindfulness tools to leadership and the ability to harness into being this unpleasant situation and uncertainty, and this is the tools. And I felt like it's my mission and duty and calling to bring these tools and even kind of in healing to this audience and to the people. And you know, it was it wasn't my automatic behavior because five years ago I would say, okay, never mind, let's cancel it. But I something within me said, no, you need to go there, and even if it's not easy. And actually, it was really a good experience and transforming and, you know, we meditated together and something could could move and cry together and create space for, for new emotions. So I think this, and, you know, maybe this is why I'm feeling now the the sadness in my throat because then I it went through me. This is what I'm feeling and now I need to, need to let it go from my body and go through this wave. But I think this is the calling for each and every one of us to find a way that we can vibrate higher, right? To bring our Present to this situation, even if it's not pleasant one, but to bring these tools and state of mind and and optimistic
0: into this really, really challenging times. Uh, You know, Karen, I have to say this. When we began our conversation to now, both our faces look freer, look more expanded. And, you know, and and I feel it because um, listening to your story and having this conversation, and I will bring this uh, and, and offer it back to you. Is that when we become gold we must suffer the trials by fire and we're all going through trials whether we are on the inside or the outside it is incredibly important to honor as a sacred ritual this phenomena of growth that is happening in all of us because those who deny it will become frozen in time and those who allow the transformation, as you're saying, transcending the form, we are transcending the form of us. If we transcend and allow ourselves, we will understand that what we were trying to control was a myth because in the mythology of our life, the one thing that is our destiny is to constantly grow. And we are responsible for that to constantly grow to the higher version of ourselves. Now, whether we do it through an event, because that's how time moves inside us. Time is not linear. Time moves in events and time moves in layers. In this moment, the whole world has a very disconnected sense of time. Where time unifies in us is the place where we understand that we don't have to control the world outside. All we have to do is be gentle to the world inside as it's growing and trust the truth inside. There is tremendous freedom in tremendous darkness because that's how light is. Light does not remove darkness. Light absorbs darkness, and darkness vanishes. It's important to understand that.
1: Wow, well, well, Amrita, I'm really honored that this conversation really touched me, and I really f- felt something transforming within me during this conversation. So, thank you for your presence and wisdom, Amrita. I can continue for hours with you, but. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. We take it offline, but yes. we need to wrap the conversation. So, uh, first of all, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share with the audience? This is the time.
0: Well, something very practical, and I think we touched it before we started the conversation. I would love for people to inform themselves more, get a language and get a grip on the practicality of it. If you, because hope is not a strategy, Karen. Hope is not a strategy. But becoming adequate and competent in dealing with it is a good strategy. So if we begin by reading a book called Shattered Assumptions, this is by Janeth Bullman. Of course, I'm writing my book, but that'll take some time before it comes out. But Janeth Bullman's book, Shattered Assumption, is a great place for us to begin to have a very practical language about how the world of growth happens. That would be a good thing.
1: Amazing. I'm going to read it. And Amrita, if people want to
0: approach you and uh, find you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn by Amrita Subramanian. And they can also find me on growbeyondpain.com. That's the site where I'm putting the study and collating all the resources. But people all over the world are calling me for, like you are getting invited to speak on crisis, post-crisis growth, post-traumatic growth, People are also connecting with me through communities, whether it's the earthquake or whether it is a calamity. So I am putting the word out that I am ready to serve the world with all the wisdom because knowledge by itself is of no use unless it makes all of us better.
1: Wow. Thank you, thank you very much. It was really, really a transformative conversation and we spread the word. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.